How can you effectively understand your customers? What methods or research will you need to perform to attract profitable clients and leave a lasting impression on them? Welcome to this new episode of the Dominate Your Market podcast. We have invited Tom Herman, founder of Vita Intel, a customer research firm whose mission is to help leaders and their teams gain customer clarity to support smarter marketing, better decisions, and consistent growth. Tom can help you achieve customer clarity in 45 days or less. Tune in to learn more about Tom and his company, Vita Intel. I want to welcome you to the Dominant Your Market podcast, where we interview leaders, CEOs, founders, and high-impact business development professionals to get their insights on how you can grow your business efficiently, build an amazing company, and still have a life. Today's guest is Tom Herman. Tom is the founder of Veda Intel, a customer research firm whose mission is to help leaders and their teams gain customer clarity to support smarter marketing, better decisions, and consistent growth. Tom can help you achieve customer clarity in 45 days or less. I love that, by the way. That's freaking awesome. Welcome to the show, Tom. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thanks for having me. This I was looking forward to this. You know, Coming across you on LinkedIn, we're kind of kindred spirits now. And uh, I think we set this up a while back, two or three weeks or a while back. So you yeah. finally came up in the schedule. And I woke up this morning. I thought, there he is. All right, right on. I was uh, looking great forward to be to here. It. Yeah. yeah. So, Give our listeners a little bit of background on, you know, where you came from, how you got to where you're at, and also how you named your company, all of that. Okay. Uh, you know, I don't have some exciting, you know, rags to riches, roller coaster backstory like some mm -hmm. other founders do. You know, I was lucky. I, I grew up as a really inquisitive kid and had a father who was an engineer, but I think his passion was research. I, he could hang with any college professor on a number of topics just through his own research on the side. And so I learned from him early on that, you know, the answers are out there. You just, you just probably have to dig a bit for them, but they're out there. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I think I found my calling early on, uh, you know, just in terms of wanting to understand why things happen the way they happen in the world. And uh, my, one of my first college courses I took was a, a course called economic geography, which was this, amazing course taught by this great professor who took a, a, a broad view of why things happen around the world. So, you know, it's, it's natural resources, it's culture, it's geography, it's economics and business and all these different things. And in that course early on, just, it just the light bulbs went off, like everything in the world started to make more sense for me. So, you know, from there, I, I, I got involved in marketing and business and Ended up getting my master's degree and my first job out of grad school was doing um, store location research for a, a publicly traded retailer. And oh, wow. you know, the, the interesting thing about that was all the stuff you learn in theory immediately became real world because the decisions we were supporting were multi-million dollar decisions. Each store opening required several million investment mm -hmm. and hiring a bunch of people, which, you know, if the store doesn't work out and has to close, those people will lose their jobs. So you know, I went from being a, a very curious person who liked to learn how things worked to, to then taking information and, and finding the information that can support, you know, multi-million dollar decisions and decisions that affect humans, you know. So, um, so I've been doing this, I've been a researcher my entire career. And um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's my passion. It's how I'm wired. It's it just everything that I do um, matches my personality type. And, yeah, you know, I feel really, um, 
blessed to have found that early on to create a career that really hasn't had any, you know, jogs. And a lot of my friends went to school for something and ended up doing something else, or they went to school for something that maybe wasn't their idea of, you know, to, to begin with, ended up doing that and ended up miserable. So I can honestly say that I'm not miserable. I never have been. I've been doing what I love to do my entire career. Um, and, you know, I, I take it seriously. I, I have fun doing it, mm -hmm. but it, it's a responsibility in that every, I've been in a lot of re leadership roles in my career and my job has always been to support decisions and strategies, you know, that the company I was working with or for um, was pursuing. So I take it seriously and it, it's, but, but I have a lot of fun doing it. So um, my current company is called Veda Intel and um, the name Veda, the word Veda is Slovak, my grandfather's language, Slovak for the word knowledge and intelligence. So it's the, the concept is knowledge through intelligence. So uh, that, that's where the name came from. I, I, I love that, that just the, the backstory of that, you know, because a lot of people are like, oh, yeah. I'm driving down the street or my wife said, blump, and there it was, where yours yeah. is more family oriented. And um, that's a really, and I love the, the meaning behind it too, because that, that is what you do, you know, and yeah. I will say I've never met, probably, you're one of the most humble guys I've ever met. Just humble, nice, sincere. Uh, your demeanor is probably polar opposite of mine. <laughs> I think you, you've mentioned I, I'm a very aggressive guy and yeah. sort of blunt. But uh, so you and I almost are polar opposites. But uh, I, I, when I first met you, I thought, God, your, your tone, your you've got empathy in you, you've got all of that, you know, which I think works well for what you do for a living, right? That yeah. if you came in like me, <laughs> yeah, shooting guns right away, like cannons yeah. or something, they'd be like, whoa, what the hell is this guy doing? So I think your personality fits perfect into what you do, which is awesome. And I did want to tell you, you, you said something early on, like even like locations of businesses, right? So I'm from a little town. This is crazy how small this town was. 10,000 people. And um, now it's only 20,000, 45 years later. Oh, yeah. 20,000. And you would think it's like a, like a country town with horses. It's, it's Newburgh, Oregon. For any of you people that know Oregon, it's wine country. And it's okay. in what's called the Willamette Valley. We're in the Willamette Valley, this valley. And it's, it's a city. It's a real, you know, we were a 6A in athletics and all of that. I don't know how we work because our, our population is so small. But what I, the reason why I tell you that is that I used to ask my mom, and she's now gone, so she's up there, um, hopefully a lot better off. But um, when I was like 10 years old, like a, a store would come in, open up, gone in six months. Yeah. And it happened over and over and over. And one of the, big, one of the most exciting stores for me back then was a sports store. Yeah. Newburgh, Oregon, got a sports store. And I, the first, I, mean, I was knocking on that door before it even opened, right? Like, when are you going to open? You know, baseball gloves, basketballs, right? I was probably 10 at the time, 9 or 10. And that store was gone in six months. And I used to ask my mom, you know, every time. So I, I kind of had that inquisitive nature like you. So I want you to talk about this. I used to say, Mom, it, it's gone already. What happened? You know, we yeah. drive by and, and I was so nosy. And so I'd always see, you know, the business open up and I'd get excited. And then six months later, it's empty. And I would ask her what mm -hmm. happened. So talk about that a little bit. Just And I know that, that, that this will dovetail into what you do. But 
you mentioned kind of this this location thing early on in your career. Talk about that just a little bit. You know, it's interesting that you say that. The reason I was hired, and my, my boss right before me who hired me for this company um, was that they had gone into a market that was in an adjacent state with 12 stores and they failed. So the 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 previous group, so I, I was part of the first market research department for this company. Prior to that, they had real estate and operations, choosing locations and then coming up with what they felt were sales forecasts, how you know how these stores would do over time. And they had they just previously um they opened these stores, I think within it was three years, I think. Within three years, they closed all 12 of them. Oof. They lost, you know, tens and tens of millions of dollars of investment and a hundred over a hundred people lost their jobs. So the CEO of the company was a family-owned publicly traded company, um, majority controlled by this this family who are great people. They just said to themselves, "This this can't happen again. We we can't allow this. We need better information. We need to make better decisions. We can't just have you know some real estate folks you know whose bonuses depend on opening stores and you know whatever you know not to blame anybody, but you know so they they pursued the first market research department for this company uh, and you know, the, the goal was to not allow this to happen again. So our job was, that was our job to make sure that the decisions and strategies that the company pursued were sound. They were based on actual facts and, you know, competitive intelligence, consumer intelligence. And, you know, we just couldn't afford, you know, a publicly traded company to be closing and taking big write-offs on their balance sheet, you know. So, yeah, that that it really does come down to decision-making and, you know, making decisions based on actual intelligence, not opinions and assumptions and best guesses, you know, that there's just, there's a better way, you know, and, and you can't, you know, as a leader, I talk about leadership a lot as it relates to this topic, but, you know, as a, as a leader in an organization, you need to make sure that you're not allowing, you know, guesswork and assumptions to dictate your strategies, as simple as that, you know, so, you know, that, that was interesting that you brought that up because that, that was the start of my career. You know, it was a big misstep by a, a really well-respected company that, you know, led them to, to realize that, hey, we can't do this this way again. You know, we have to take guesswork out of play and, and do our best to get the best information to support our decisions, you know, our investments, really. You know, what's interesting is a word that I use a lot in my book um, is the word impact. Right. And you can you can use that word in so many different ways. But so what you just yeah. said, the impact was millions of dollars and hundreds yeah. of jobs. Impact. Yeah. There it is right there. Right. So, you know, all based on not doing the right research ahead of time. Right. And like you said, these these real estate people, new location, new location, new location. Right. As opposed to, yeah. hey, let's let is it the right market fit? Is it is, yep. is there a market for this here in this location? And obviously in my town, it was so small, the population didn't support it, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, a sports store, I mean, we had a sports store. Yeah, we had a big mall, was the closest we had. And it was about 20, a 20 minute drive away and the mall had two sporting stores in it. And right. so, and of course, when you open the smaller store, the local store, the prices are gonna be a little higher, right? Cause they don't have the volume. And right. that's, there's another issue, right? Too, is pricing. And so, I mean, I think what you do, Tom is so cool and like, for everybody that's listening, you know, they've got to go to your LinkedIn. So we'll talk about your LinkedIn at the very end too, because you, your posts are so spot on and they're so consistent. Mm -hmm. And the information, you're always, you know, varying your information. So it's not the same every time. So again, I want, I'd like to have people hire you, 
But but the first step would be go to your LinkedIn because your information is just, it's really one of the best out there for, for customer research. It's pretty impressive. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's not easy to, you know, when you talk about one main topic, it is tricky to try to you know, take different angles on it. But I, I appreciate you saying that because it, <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now let me ask you this. So why, why do you feel, I know with every client that I bring on, one of the first questions I ask them is, do they know their customers? I, I do. I say that to them and they go, what do you mean? Well, of course yeah. we do. And then I'll, I'll pull up their website and I'll say, well, this doesn't show it. And I'll, and I'll yeah. look at some tangible marketing pieces, maybe a PDF or a flyer or something. Like, this doesn't show it. And, yeah. and so then all of a sudden I expose them. You know, and as we know, I'm kind of, I don't do it softly. So I'm in, I'm in the room doing it. But yeah. so why do you think a lot of companies, even today, still don't put the time, invest the time and the money to do the proper research? Why do you think that even happens? I mean, because to me, it seems like, geez, yeah. know your customer, come on. I know it's maddening to me, you know, being the way, you know, the person that I am, it's maddening, but I, you know, the only thing, the thing that I, I keep coming across is kind of what you said when, when you asked them that question, like, what do you mean? Like, of course we know our customer. We've been in business for 10 years, seven years, 20 years. It, it almost their, their feeling is that the, the customer is this static being that never changes. It's the same customer that it's always been, you know, and, and there won't be any change coming forward. You know, it's just, it's ridiculous to think that, especially over the last few years, we've seen how much shopping, you know, consumer behaviors have changed, but, and that's not new. I mean, people change, the competition changes, the environment, you know, the economy changes that all those things affect consumer behavior. So yeah, for a, for a company or a leader to say, Hey, you know, we don't need to do research. We know our customer, you know, we know, it. we, we know our customer inside and out, you know, and like you said, I, I expose them as well, you know, with a bunch of questions that make it pretty clear that they're either just BSing their way through the questions just to shut me up or, or, or sometimes they admit like, yeah, you know what? We, we realize that we should understand more about our customers. We should. And even then they often don't do it. So it, to me, it's crazy. If, if you're, you know, most mm -hmm. leaders have a vision that they're trying to you know, guide their, their company to. And obviously that vision depends on customers to get there. And they say they love their customers and put their customers first, yet they don't do any real research to understand them as well as they should. So, yeah, it's a it's a maddening thing for sure. But, you know, it's kind of like the self-help self world where there'll never be a lack of work to do because oh yeah, as much as you know what you should do, things get in the way. Obstacles, you know, that just stop you from doing what you know you should do. So... Yeah, it's always going to be the case, I guess. But you know, my goal is to work with leaders and their teams to to break through that and to take assumptions and guesswork off the table. I mean, there's just there's no reason. There's there's really, you know, not to be too harsh, but there's no excuse for not knowing your customer. It's not we're not talking about rocket science here. This isn't something that is you know only allowed to be you know dealt with by the biggest Fortune 100 companies. Oh, yeah. that, that's not at all. I, Anybody can do this, and, and most companies can do a good part of it themselves. You know, so it, it's not something that is unattainable to to get to. So, yeah, it's it is kind of strange how it's such a foundational piece of business that companies just seem to you know, overlook and and allow to you know be not addressed. You know, it's it's kind of crazy. Well, when you think of any business, 
What is probably the most important thing in any business? Yeah, I mean, it, it's the, the customer. customer. It, yeah, if you're in business to serve a customer, I, I always like to, I would like to say that, how do you serve your customer well if you don't know your customer well? I mean, I just, it, it's so, it's such a basic thing that, you know, and, mm. you know, the, I talk about the customer, the, the concept of customer clarity. And, and what that means is understanding who your ideal customer is, what makes them tick, meaning what are their, their beliefs, their values, what, what are they dealing with? What are the issues do they have that they're trying to solve? And then why do they buy? I mean, why do they choose you over all the other options they have to solve their problems? If you can't answer those questions, you don't have customer clarity. And then the next concept within customer clarity is you have to have internal alignment around customer clarity to be an effective organization. And what that means is that everyone from top to bottom, side to side in your business has to understand who that ideal customer is, what makes them tick and why they buy so that everyone can be working toward the a common goal of serving this customer, finding this customer, keeping this customer and, and growing with the customer over time. So, you know, that that's, that's really the key. And it, it's like the secret hidden in plain sight. I mean, if you know your customer really well, you stand a good chance of being a successful, long-term resilient company. On the other hand, if you don't, you know, you're, you're going to have problems. I, I like to, I, I call I, I, a lack of customer clarity. I, I call it a red flag problem. And, and what a red flag problem is, is a problem that causes, if not solved, causes all sorts of other, you know, additional problems. So think, think of the, the iceberg poking out of the water. The, the piece that's above the water is a lack of customer clarity. And then everything below the water is all the problems that come from a lack of customer clarity. So think about your marketing, your, your uh, messaging, your customer success, um, sales, business development, everything, you know, strategic planning, just overall company direction. I don't know how you get there if you don't understand your customer very, very well. So, you know, it, it's a red flag, red flag problem that, you know, and, and not to, sound too harsh, but in my opinion, it's a leadership issue. If, if you're a leader of a company and you allow that to happen under your watch, then you know, you're, you. you're missing probably one of the biggest pieces of leadership. And there's a lot of aspects of leadership and a lot of people on LinkedIn talk about leadership really well. But in my mind, that's, that's a big one. You have to empower your team with the information and intelligence and insights they need to help you achieve the company's vision. If you're not doing that, then I think that's a major misstep in leadership. You know, it's interesting because one, one thing I want to add to, you know, why customers buy is why don't they buy? Yeah, yeah and, that's the other know, question. And, I, and, and I, I, I discuss that pretty deeply with everybody I speak to is, have you ever found out why they said no? Why they went with a competitor? Because that's, yep. that's Intel right there that's critical, right? Like if, if you find yep. patterns, like, well, every time it was, oh, you guys presented a certain way and here's the verbiage you used and you got no's five times in a row. Yeah. Well, maybe time to change something up here a little bit, right? Like maybe, maybe yeah. evaluate the presentation or evaluate how you're, you know, you're discussing the values of this and change it because it's not resonating with the customer if they're going elsewhere. Uh, perfect. Yeah, that's that 100% right. In fact, that's, that's what we call a win-loss analysis where... You intentionally study your wins and your losses to try to figure out why are we winning, why are we losing. Let's minimize, let's use what's working and get rid of what's not working. And simple as that. And that, that's a, a great exercise that companies should be doing as well. Yeah. 
when you think about it, I wonder what percentage, and I don't, I don't know if you know this, this number, but so like of all the lost opportunities, and, and again, it's, you've got so many different business sectors. I mean, it's just yeah. thousands of them, but you know, cause I know with a couple of my clients, I've sat down and the, the opportunity loss was large. Right. It was bit in the millions and millions of dollars. And yet nobody had stepped up and said, well, let's look into this. Yeah. Why are we getting these no's? And yet it was millions of dollars. Crazy. Right. Yeah, it's another one of those head scratchers. That, you know, if, if you could figure out two or three things that could save you 20% of the losses going forward, why wouldn't you do that? Because I'm telling you, the cost to get that information, it's not that much. It's, it's a drop in the bucket compared to what you have to gain. It's your research isn't it's it's not rocket science. It's not the most expensive thing in the world, you know. So it's it's well worth it. The ROI on it is if, if oh, done massive. well, it's huge. Massive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you talk about this, and I, I pulled this off your LinkedIn, by the way, because you were you're such you're such an extreme humble guy that mm -hmm. you're the first guy, first person human that followed my instructions for the podcast and did a very very short bio. Yeah, I usually get. Three paragraphs, cut and paste, 300 words. And I'm like, it yeah. says right on there, two to three sentences, folks, you know, and I do appreciate all my guests. So thank you all for being a guest. So, but I just, I have to make a note of that with you was, you know, when I, you know, looked at all the show notes to get ready for you, I thought, oh my God, look at that yeah. bio. Like, holy crap. It's, it's, he followed instructions. So I do appreciate <laughs> that by the way. But yeah, I guess I did, I'm a rule follower. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was impressed. But and almost I because I know you now, I wanted to beef it up. So I almost took the other. I thought, wait a minute, like this guy went so far this way. I thought he's more yeah. impressive than this. So that's why I pulled that on your LinkedIn in less than forty-five days. So talk about that a little because I think a lot of, I think there's probably a lot of people in your sector. I don't know. I'm going to make a make a broad assumption here yep. that maybe have projects that are in the you know months and months for lots of money right yeah you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and and all of that and i read that on your linkedin and that's why i put it in your your intro because i thought i i got to bring this up he's got and you did have yeah. it on your linkedin so i hope i didn't do anything wrong no no that's fantastic yeah, yeah so speed matters um especially when Huge. a lot of a lot of times clients will come to me and i, I kind of term it emergency research where they get to a point where things aren't working or something isn't happening the way it should or the way it used to. And they realize, wait a second, we got to figure out what's going on. So that's kind of the genesis of a, a number of clients. And so in those cases, and, and in most cases, speed matters. They want answers quick and they want the right answers quick. And so I the, the one thing I realized, you know, after talking to hundreds and hundreds of businesses over many years is that most companies, is, as we've already discussed, don't have an ideal customer profile. Mm -hmm. They don't know exactly, you know, who their customer really is, who the best fit customer for their business is. They don't know their problems as well as they should. They don't know how to explain their solution to them. And they don't know what an ideal outcome looks like for the customer. And because of that, they struggle. So the, the one, so, so that might... I thought of, of like productizing my business a little bit more because there's certain things you should do, should, should do in research. And to make it easy for clients, I want to tell them, here's the one thing that if you don't have it, you should do this first. 
And it's what I call a customer clarity guidebook. It's a process and product mm-hmm. that I created that allows an ideal customer profile to be built within 45 days that you can immediately put to act, put into action to improve not just marketing, because that, that's one thing that everyone thinks that this is just a marketing angle you know, with research. It's really every area of your company. If you don't understand your company, it's going to or understand your customer, it's going to affect your company in so many different ways, not just marketing. Yeah. So the idea of this is uh, the process starts with looking at the customers, the client's data, finding out who their high value customers are, and then working to learn as much as we can in a compressed period of time to create a document that can be shared across your organization. Because that, that's the other element that if, if a company even has an ideal customer profile, it's oftentimes not committed to a document that can be shared across the organization. Maybe one piece of the organization has an idea of it. Um, most others don't, and it's not shared. So this is a document with the intention of being shared across the organization so that everyone can benefit, get everyone on the same page, you know, build team unity, you know, get everyone working for the same common goal around the customer we're trying to serve. So that's the 45-day thing. So everything we do is is geared toward a, a result in a, a quick time frame. We're not a huge like company that spends you know eight months you know and, and charge a, a company a million dollars for research like some companies do. The, the the goal of this is to get research into the hands of people that can use it at an affordable price that makes the ROI really, really strong. So That's so it. what is the size, what's the range of companies you work with, you, you, your company? So I've worked with startups, but the ideal uh, company is between usually 10 and 100 employees, somewhere in there. So, okay. you know, a, a volume range of, you know, somewhere around a million dollars to, you know, it can go up pretty high, but, you know, it's usually companies of, you know, several million dollars in volume up to you know $100 million in revenue usually. So, so you're probably servicing a sector that you know a lot of uh, other companies, bigger companies would not even look at. Like they, they wouldn't even look at them. Oh yeah, yeah. I have friends that work for big research companies. They wouldn't even mess around with a company that did less than $50 million of revenue. They wouldn't, they wouldn't even bid a project or even talk to or even reach out to them. I'll yeah. say they wouldn't even get on a call. No, they wouldn't bother, yeah. Yep. So, so how many times have you um, gone through this with a client? Now, now I'm super curious. And they missed the boat completely. Literally, it's almost to where their product, right, is completely off. Like almost to the point of like a massive pivot. Yeah, well, here's a great example. I worked with a software company that created this product. I, I got to be pretty vague, but yeah, it, it takes something that's been done for a long time and kind of turns it on its head and makes it way more usable and valuable. So hmm. hard, hard to say more than that. And yeah, yeah. what, what they, they didn't do any research ahead of time. So they created this thing. They had it in their mind that this is going to change everything and that everyone who uses this thing, which everyone uses, I'm telling you, everyone uses it. Everyone who uses this thing will see our thing and say, holy smokes, that's the next thing. And we're all going to do it. We're all going to jump on and get that. And it, it it hasn't resonated at all with the market. And one of their issues was that there it requires it's not as simple as they made it out the sound you know to be. So it, it requires a bunch of training, retraining, and they were pitching it to the people that would be the actual user of the the item, the software, and didn't think about the obstacles. And getting back to your question, why don't they buy? They didn't think about the obstacles that the person who would be the user of this would 
would have. And one of them was Jeez. time, having to learn a whole new thing, having to you know redo all the stuff that they'd done in the past with this other thing. And, and they were getting zero traction, no buy-in at all. And so we did, we had to do a bunch of research to try to talk to them and then talk to th their bosses and the executives mm. and the companies that, you know, these, you know, that the people were working for. And what we realized is that the the benefit of this software is is great to a leader who would see the who would see the benefit mm. if you're selling it to somebody who would have to do the work and just sees it as another problem that they have to deal with so they're basically were were pitching the wrong market oh. and they didn't you know they didn't know that and they spent a lot of time and money you know going down the wrong path and now they're moving in the right direction but you know it, it's Man. I always say it's hard to sell something to somebody who doesn't think they need they they need it or want it. It's a, right. that's like an impossible task. So, but by explaining the out you know the benefits of this thing and how it can help and how it can help sales and marketing and you know, help you know sell more product and everything else to the leaders of the company, the leaders then said, okay, this is something we can use. And all right, let's make sure our teams can find the time to learn this. And it just changed the whole dynamic of the the transaction. So. You know, that, that's a, a good example of, of that. Yeah, I think what you do is really is so massively valuable. And I'm not saying just because you're on the podcast, but you know, yeah. it makes me think of, I mean, I think I told you about my story and I'm not going to get into it too much, but how I launched that website way back in the day, I merged golf and fitness together. Yeah. And what I, and I was the first to do it in the world. Um, it was really cool. And it was a very, I, I, I blunt forced it and made it successful because typical me, but when I look back on it now, here's here's what I thought. So I was trying to sell fitness to golfers. Okay, let's yep. just look at that real quick. So mm. if you go to a public golf range and take a look down that whole range, right? Look at the body types packing those golf balls, and then you tell me if you think they give a shit about being fit. Right. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of them don't. Yeah. So I launched this thing because of my my assumption, my perception of, and it, it, they were my passions. I merged my, but you know, here we go again with a lot of small business owners. They have a passion for something. They yeah. don't do the work that you do that you should be doing for them ahead of time mm -hmm. to go, should we even do this? And, you know, for me, it, um, I never really looked up. I just dug in and did it. But what I did was I made a huge pivot to say, okay, I'm not selling fitness. I'm selling the outcome of hitting the ball further because every golfer wanted to hit it further. Yeah. So I changed all of my content, literally on honest, because I was sitting down with my then wife at the time and I go, I, I'm sick of this. It was still very successful small business, but I was so frustrated. I felt like I was just beating my head against the wall and I yeah. blurted it out. She, she goes, well, what do these guys want? You know, and I was talking about their fitness levels and how they don't give a crap and all that. Yep. And I go, they don't give a shit. They just want to hit it further. Ding, 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 ding. I was like, whoa, go. wait a minute. Hit longer drives. The whole, I pivoted on that one conversation. I changed the yeah. whole thing. And there it, you go. it went through the roof. So yeah. it's finding out with your research, what, did, what does the customer really want? And it's not yeah. necessarily the product or service you're selling. It's the outcome, right? Exactly right. It's the outcome. Yep. That's what everybody wants is they, they want, to get to where they want to get to, you know, and, and they almost don't even care how they get there as long as you can get them there, you know, within reason. Yeah. Well, and I think you said something super important. 
So with this company that you, if, if there's too much work involved, right. That's a no go. No, yeah. nobody wants more work, right? Yeah. It's, it's key to understand the obstacles, you know, what you, you want to minimize the obstacles or, or figure a way around them or over them because obstacles are often unspoken. You know, it's, it's not something that, you know, is, is all that obvious. And unless you dig deep, you, you probably won't find them. So yeah, it's really all about you know, getting the person to the destination in a way that they want to get there, you know, without overwhelming them with all sorts of requirements and hard work. And now obviously hard work is part of, you know, a lot of things, but they have to be ready for it and, and willing to have that as part of the process to get there. But yeah, understanding obstacles is, is really a, a key to understanding consumer behavior. Which is what you do. I mean, you extract yep. all of that. Yeah, that's correct. Right. Would you say that um, one of the end goals of a lot of people is for, with a product or service to save them time? Would that be, is that like a big, is that, because I, I feel like nobody wants another piece of software, right? Like we've all got 30 softwares on our computers right now. And when you're in a company, they've got this software that does this, and they got this, it tracks that, it tracks yeah. this. They don't want another software program, right? Yeah, no, you're right. Time, time is a big one. That's one of the biggest ones. Time and money. Yeah, those are the things that people are trying to solve for. Yep. That, that is yep. so interesting. Well, tell me, so tell me, what do you think, what are the big mistakes? So we've talked about kind of the lack of knowledge and all of that. What else do you think are companies, what are they doing wrong when it comes to all of this? Is there anything else you can add to this that kind of for the listeners to go, yeah, that's me, that's me? Well, I I, I do think the biggest problem I see is is leaders allowing you know assumptions, guesswork, and opinions, mm -hmm. and allowing a culture of internal disagreements and and, and infighting to uh, to happen in their company, and and that's a direct result of not being clear and 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 um, really together on who the ideal customer is and and how we're serving them and, and what they need to be served well. It, you know, it, without that knowledge, you're going to have a culture that you know ha it, it, that allows for you know all sorts of you know, infighting and problems and, and stress. You know, in organizational stress is you know as a result of lots of things, but a lack of customer clarity is is a big source of organizational stress. You know, and, and for a leader to ensure that's not happening, well, you just get the information on the table. You know, do the research, put it in front of everyone, get everyone on the same page. And things start to run a lot smoother. People are working together, more productive and, and better performance. You know, that that's and that's why it comes back to leadership to allow that a culture of intelligence to to take hold rather than a a culture of you know guesswork and in, internal factions, each pushing and almost mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen companies where you know one side of the company is is hoping that the other side fails because they went in their direction and not the direction that they wanted to go in. It, I mean, as a leader, you obviously can't allow that to happen and, and reach the level of success that you know, your company is capable of. So it really starts from the top. I mean, it literally is, it's from the top. 100%, in my mind, 100%. Now, you don't hear a lot of people say that because mm -mm. you know, a lot of the people that do what I do, either all of what I do or part of what I do, they, they make it a, a very strict marketing kind of um, argument. And, and obviously, it's very important to marketing, but it's important to every aspect of a company. You know, that's that's the truth. And you know, I, I take it from a leadership position that th this is a leadership issue. You know, it's it's not something that a leader can leave to chance. I mean, you need to be intentional 
empower your team with the information, intelligence, and insights they need to serve the customer in the way they want to be served. You know, that's that's how you succeed long term. You know, I think a lot of a lot of times people don't talk about this, which is, and there's there's people that now specialize in this. And I think I've got one scheduled in a couple of weeks for the podcast, but customer experience. Yep. Right. So so your research would lay dovetail right into that, right? Where how yep. can we give them from start to finish the best customer experience, bar none, right? Market dominating position. There you go. Um, but, but how can, how can you do that? Well, you, you can't guess at it. You can't make assumptions. You got to dig into the, to the data, like what you do, right? Yeah, hundred percent. You need to be measuring customer experience. If you, you know, that coming back to the concept of how do you serve customers? Well, if you don't know them well, well, how do you improve your services? If you don't know how your customers are perceiving and, and experiencing your services. So it all comes back to having that connection and engagement with the customer to understand, you know, what do they like? You know, what can we do better? You know, what, what should we start doing? What should we stop doing? You know, what are we missing here? How can we make your experience better? So yeah, there, there I definitely there's a, a strong tie-in with the customer experience um, consultants that you know that do what they do. Well, you I, know, I don't design customer experiences. I I can help measure them and and right you know identify areas for improvements. Customer experience consultants oftentimes. You know, re- redo processes and procedures and, mm. and things that, you know, a lot of times those processes and procedures that companies have are designed to work for them, not the customer. So, you know, that, that's what comes out in customer experience work is how to redo processes that are more aligned to what the customer wants than strictly what's best for the company, you know, so. So, so would you say you probably work alongside somebody that does that then? So, so you guys are, you're, you're complimentary, yep. basically. Yeah, absolutely okay. complimentary. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm also I, I do a lot of work with branding companies, marketing mm-hmm. companies that, you know, that research really should be part of their process. And sometimes they indicate on their websites that it is part of their process, but you know, they don't really have an internal research function. So I, I mm-hmm. work with them to provide mm-hmm. that research function so that they can do a better job. You know, if you think about it, the a lack of customer clarity for their client doesn't just hurt the client themselves. It hurts the agency, the marketing agency as well, because if the client's not providing the agency with information about the customer, then the agency has to try to figure it out, which they're oftentimes not equipped to do. And therefore that hurts the execution that they put in place and probably shortens the length of time they're working for that client. So, for sure, you know, so it really kind of helps everybody to involve customer research. So, so let me ask you a question. This is a pointed question. You do you have a do you have a book? No, but you I need to I get a book. Yeah, I'm planning one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, because all that content that you put on LinkedIn just, just. I mean, yeah. there's there's your book right there. I mean, because I think for you, um, your content is so good on LinkedIn, and I definitely we're gonna have people. We're gonna talk about how people can contact you, but it's so good. There's your book, right? And uh, I can say yeah. when I did mine. It definitely was cathartic. It really did sort of clarify for me who I am, like, and and right. what makes me different, you know. And um, I'm not for everybody, but um, but it was fun to come. It was fun to do that book because I'd never really, I thought I kind of knew, but I didn't, I guess. And then when the book, the compilation of the book was done, and then it went into the the Audible, I thought, wow. I, I am, this is kind of who I am. And it, it, it's a lot different than most people out there. The things that yeah. I combine from my experiences in my life. So it makes me think of you and think, man, you've got, you know, your background and your, 
humility, your, your, your keen, you know, insight to find out things just lends to a book. And it would, I think that would just do wonders for you. Yeah, I, I agree. And I appreciate you saying so. And I'd love to love to have something like this in, in the near future. <laughs> well, uh, to, how about this? How about if I put, I'll, I'll be, I'll be, and you don't need it looking at you, your stature, you don't need it. But how about if I just push you once in a while? Absolutely. I'll just send you a little LinkedIn message once every month or so. Like, Hey, Tom, how's that book coming? Right. How's the book coming. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, that sounds great. Yeah. I definitely, that's, it's definitely in my future for sure. Well, that, well, that I I had to get that in because I just, I see a book in you. There's no doubt. I see a book in you for sure. And I think for you, it just puts that credibility up to that next level, right. To just, boom, you've got that physical book, you know? So, okay. Listen, this has been awesome. How do people find out about you? Um, website address, do you have whatever, con- you know, email address, whatever you feel comfortable giving out, give it out now so that people can, yep. you know, reach out to you. Sure, yeah, website is vedaintel.com. So it's V-E-D-A-I-N-T-E-L-L.com. Well, and there's a, a, a easy button to push there to schedule time to talk with me. So hmm. uh, I don't sales pitch people. So if, if you yeah. want to talk, we just talk about what's going on and, and where you are and, and, you know, things that you might be able to do to you know, improve uh, whether you work with me or not. So yep. uh, my email is just therman at vedaintel.com. And I uh, obviously you can find me on LinkedIn as well. So and, yeah. And spell, and spell your last name for everybody. I yeah, can so simply, yeah. H E R M A N the simple. So, simple so Tom Herman on LinkedIn, you, yep. for all the listeners, go find him on LinkedIn, connect with him. Tom's a great, you're a great guy. You're very, very giving. Um, yeah, when I came across to you, I thought, man, this guy's like the nicest guy, you know, and, and it was so funny because it made me think of, I'm not, we're so opposite. I'm just so aggressive and, but I, I have to own who I am, you know? So it is, it is yeah. what it is. I'm trying to get a little softer, but I think at my stage of life, it's kind of tough, but, uh, but no, no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed having you on. I hope people reach out to you. I'll continue to support you on LinkedIn because I think what you do especially for that smaller business sector. Yep. You know, I mean, I, I I don't know what your fees are, but knowing who you are, it's not these crazy numbers that a lot of these yeah. people are charging. So I think for a lot of these businesses, a million dollars, $2 million, 10 employees, 20, reach out to Tom because I mean, I you're a perfect option for that type of a business as opposed to going to the bigger organizations that number one might not even take your call. Yeah. And number two, might quote you to where you have a heart attack when you hear the number. Yeah. So, so you know, people reach out to Tom, you know, especially if you're in that, that what, would you say 10 to how many employees roughly? Usually 10 to 100 is the sweet spot. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so a million to five to 10 million, something like that. Yeah. Or even I, I've worked with companies that are, you know, 50 million. So, you okay. know, it's just, it, de- it depends on, you know, what they're selling and all so that. So you've got so. a nice range though. It's a very, very good range. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yep, for sure. Tom, thank you so much. I so appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Mike. I I love what you're doing as well. And I I feel blessed to know you. So thank you so much. Thanks. You've just listened to the Dominate Your Market podcast with CEO, business consultant, and author, Michael Peterson. Growth-minded CEOs hire Michael to explode their revenues, build an amazing company, and create a transformational mindset that encapsulates growth, success, and ultimately, happiness. His book, Dominate Your Market, is creating quite a stir in the marketplace. Go to dominateyourmarketbook.com and get your first chapter free.
free.